We're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we come to the place where uh, Jesus teaches us how to pray, the Lord's Prayer. And I think what we're going to see this morning is that this prayer is simple for a very important purpose, to simplify us, to simplify communication. Some things are lost in translation. This past uh, week, we were in Germany for a mission trip, and uh, speaking of complicated, we're in Germany not speaking Farsi to Farsi people. Now, that's a pretty complicated situation. But we did have an interpreter, somebody who was interpreting uh, two messages that I gave. And uh, again, some things are lost in translation. I anticipated this, and I tried to weed out all the quirky things that I tend to put into messages so that, uh, you know, it would be pretty straightforward. But some straightforward things were lost in translation. So, for example, I read Psalm 42, which says, My tears have been my food day and night. And after uh, it was translated, I started my message, and I asked a simple question. When was the last time you had tears for dinner? And uh, I looked over at the translator who was silent, and he was looking at me like deer in the headlights, like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I thought to myself, come on, man. (laughs) You just read it, you know. And uh, and that totally threw me because I thought, oh, wow, we're off to a great start here, just like this morning in the microphone situation. And uh, and so some things are lost in translation. Uh, now, I can tell you that his English was much better than my Farsi. So I'm not, I'm not picking on him. I'm just saying this is, this is just part of the deal, part of being human. I mean, I have noticed on occasion that sometimes people don't get my jokes. <laughs> it hurts. This is going to seem kind of like a crazy statement, but sometimes people imagine what heaven will be like, and they wonder if they're going to be able to play golf or have a cheeseburger, right? Heaven's going to be a place where people get your jokes. Heaven's going to be a place where the gaps are closed, where the misunderstandings are gone, where human beings connect in a way that we know we're made to connect. You've heard it said that loneliness is the new smoking, that chronic loneliness is tantamount to 15 cigarettes a day. David Brooks has a new column out. He says that half of Americans don't feel like anyone, no one, really knows them. Heaven's going to be a place where we connect, where those, those... Gaps in communication are closed, where things are not lost in translation, where people understand you and know you without all the weirdness that we experience in the here and now. Jesus is talking about not just about heaven, but he's talking about new heavens and a new earth. He's talking about ways that we can get closer to it even now. Prayer that simplifies us, that fills us. That's why he's teaching us how to pray. 
to clarify who you are, what you want. Be more aware of what you want, what you need. To be filled with what you really, really need so that you can spill what everyone around you needs from you. Prayer is to be filled so that you can spill with those things that, that really connect, but particularly grace. So as I read to you the, the context of the Lord's Prayer, we don't have time to go through every line of the Lord's Prayer. We could do a whole series on the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk about why Jesus has such a simple prayer for us to pray every day. From the Word of God, Matthew 6, 1 through 13. Hear God's Word this morning. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we come before you, grateful for this simple prayer, this familiar prayer. Would you help us, Lord, to have the mind of Christ? Would you help us to be clarified by this prayer? To draw out of us that which should not be there. Fill us that we may spill grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this prayer. Let's look at the simplicity of being filled to spill. This is, you know, this is the, the shorthand of the message today. We need to be filled. That's why the prayer is simple. You need to know what you need. <laughs> A lot of times it, it, it's, it's about, it's just too complicated, you know? It's complicated, you know that, uh, that phrase, it's complicated? We need to be uncomplicated by this prayer. To know what we need. To be filled what we need with what we need so that we spill what other people around us need. 
It's the reason why Jesus said, when somebody said, what's the greatest command? And he said, love, love God. And then he said, the second one is like it. Now, whenever I reference that, I, I think of the two tablets. You know, love God, love others. These go together. God is filling us with what we need from him. That when we engage with people around us, we may spill with that which they need from us. Grace. Grace is the answer of what people need from us. What we need from God is what other people need from us. So let's look at three simple prayers. Thank you. I'm sorry. And please. The grace of that simple way of praying. Thank you. I'm sorry. And please. To be filled that we may spill. Grace. First, the grace of thank you. We start with thank you. We begin with just acknowledging Father who art in heaven. That's the way the prayer begins. It's just a, a position of being a child of God, understanding who you are, and being grateful for it. In, uh, in the early verses here, verses 1 through 6, leading up to the prayer, Jesus is giving us the contrasting view. Don't be like these guys who, uh, who announce their giving and their praying with trumpets. That's, that's pretty funny. Now, see, we don't want to miss Jesus' jokes either. Now, th- these, this is a good joke. It's like, it's like um, you know, it, John Williams, you know, in the, the Olympics, he's, he's written those beautiful Olympic uh, themes with trumpets, you know. Um, I'm tempted to sort of do my sort of fake trumpet thing here, but imagine all that trumpet line, right? And there you are, you're about to give your gift, or you're about to give something to somebody, you're about to give up your seat, or you're about to, uh, about to give some... some uh, pittance to the poor or something like that and uh but first a word from our sponsor or first let's hear from the the drum line or first ha- let's have this announced with with trumpets da, 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 you know and then like tim has given you know i mean it's, and this is hilarious stuff you say don't be like that guy w- why is that is he just trying to tell us something not to do or that trying to point out something that you know, you're bad if you do this. No, he's trying to say, get what you really need. You're looking to human beings to supply something that is God-sized, that only God can give you. If you're going to be filled, you have to recognize there, there's something that you need that only God can give. And to be in a place where you you know he wants to give it. To be in a place of gratitude. To start your prayer with a baseline that says, okay, here's my, here's my foundation. My foundation is a sense that God provides. That's a gracious God. To be in that position as a child of God under a father who provides Something is in that foundation. And if it's not God, you're going to try to put everybody else in there. Don't put that on your spouse or on your friend or on your job or on your hobby or, or on people liking you. It's never going to fulfill. Like that old country western song, 
you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. This is, this is what we do. I mean, and we're not always aware of it. We're looking for validation from other people. Something that only God can fulfill. I've been reading uh, the, the book, The Count of Monte Cristo. I read, I've watched the movie, you know, several times. This is one of my favorite stories. And um, I love this movie because it, it speaks all about what is at your foundation, What's really at the core? What's, what is your life based on? And, and do you have just a sense of confidence in it that you're just living in a position of gratitude? Just a position of gratitude. This is the approach to prayer. The reason why I love this, one of the scenes in this movie or in this book uh, is where um, this, this fella, Dante's, who was condemned to this, this uh, Chateau d'If. Uh, it's an island prison. And he's locked away for years. And one day, you know, all of a sudden, this soldier, priest, scholar. It's amazing. I mean, you know, imagine just all of a sudden, you're locked away, and here comes a soldier, priest, scholar just to train you up in the next season of life. When you get out, you're going to be, <laughs> you're gonna be a, a warrior, a smart uh, warrior believer, right? So that's actually what happens to Dante's. But, but not until he curses God in front of this, this, uh, this budding, this mentor that comes into his life who tunneled through from the other cell. He sees something on the wall that says, uh, God will justify me. The priest reads it. And Dante says, There's no, there'll be no talking of God in here, priest. I've long since given up on him. <laughs> I love this line. He looks at him and he says, Well, what's replaced him? Something's replaced him. When I sit with a stranger or with somebody I'm just getting to know, or when I, when I see something on social media or when I hear somebody who is looking for validation, looking for love in all the wrong places, trying to stick something in a, found, a place of foundation that, that cannot hold it, right? You're, you're seeing evidence of someone who has replaced their foundation where only God belongs with something else. So when we're praying to be seen, when we're given to be seen, when we're righteous to be seen, we're looking for something from everyone around us that only God can fill. Jesus is saying, let God fill that place. Let God fill that place, that place, that foundation place that he provides, that you move towards everyone in your life with that posture of gratitude. What fills you spills onto the people around you. It's happening. It's happening in your life. What's filling you, what's filling that place is spilling out, whether you know it or not, whether you're aware or not. Jesus is saying, simplify your prayer. Understand what you need. Understand that God wants to provide. Understand 
so that you can live gratefully. To be filled with that kind of grace is then to spill out that kind of grace. The first commandment, the second commandment. So, how to pray, why to pray, simply, to be filled with gratitude. Thank you, a simple thank you. Second, I'm sorry. To be filled with forgiveness is to spill with forgiveness. You can't spill with it unless you're filled with it. And you can see in verses 7 and 8 that Jesus is pointing out a fallacy of prayer where people are praying beautiful, flowery prayers, many, many, many words. Jesus is saying you're losing what you really need in the many and the much my so my grandmother used to say something kind of funny when, when, when you're trying to do something and, um, and it, you, you've done everything that you need to make it work, right? Like, um, like maybe you tried to hold a cup up to the refrigerator and let the water pour out of it, right? Um, and it doesn't work for you and somebody else comes along and just kind of goes, Right, and it just happens, right? It's just nothing to it. In a situation like that, my grandmother would say, You didn't hold your mouth right. Have you ever heard this expression? You didn't hold your mouth right. It's like, You did everything right. And it's just sort of like entering into that human moment, going, like, Yeah, we've all been there where, you know, it's supposed to work. You've done everything you need to do, but for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't work out. So we come up with a reason. You didn't hold your mouth right. This is a great illustration for what Jesus is saying here. Um, the, 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 the Pharisees and pagans alike believe that they just need to hold their mouth right to get the blessing. I, I've talked about it in terms of like just turning the right, to the right frequency, the right knobs, uh, pulling the right levers in just the right order, and then God will bless you. This is a view of God as like the sort of a gumball God. He's just sort of up there just waiting for you to get it right. Just hold your mouth right and then you'll get the gumball. This is not the picture of a generous God. Not a picture of God who is so wanting to forgive you of everything you've done. Wanting you to live free. If there's a voice in your head or there, there are voices around you bringing shame, if, if you're still holding on to something because you think there's some virtue in it, something that you've done wrong and you've not been released from it, that's not coming from God. And that's not coming from heaven. That's coming from the pit. Or it's coming from your own flesh that says, if I just feel guilty enough, then I have virtue. It's the last sort of bastion of, of your own self-reliance. Your lack of receiving forgiveness from God may be the very place where you're trying to make life work apart from Him. That's so true, isn't it? It's kind of a crazy irony about us. We think that our guilt is going to redeem. This is exactly what's going on in this, this part of the uh, of, the, of the passage here where Jesus is saying, look, they're using all these words that only one word is needed. 
Who is the Word? In the beginning of John, it says Jesus is the Word. He is, he's the culmination of all words ever spoken. Through Him, everything was made. From the very beginning, everything was made through Jesus. He is the incarnation. He is, he is God's creative self-expression made flesh. So what is the word he wants to speak into your flesh? All the way into your memories, all the way into your sensations. What is that word? Forgiveness. You see, when, when we're not filled with forgiveness, we look to others to pull the right levers for us, to push the right buttons for us. Whether we know it or not, we're putting off that kind of vibe where it's just like, you know, we're not consciously judging somebody, but they're feeling judged by us. You've, you've experienced this, where somebody just feels judged by you. And you. There's nothing you're doing. You were thinking it, though, weren't you? You were thinking it, right? And they're feeling this prickliness. Oh, what fills us spills. What's filling you will spill. You know, there, there are these two there are two quotations from two different authors from two different centuries that say, that, that, that summarize the first two points of this sermon. The first one is from Chesterton, who says, he says this, he says, I love this, he says, the worst moment for an atheist is when he feels thankful but has no one to thank. But then listen to Margaret Lasky, an author from just last century. She said, you know, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have no one to forgive me. Aren't those quotations both so similar? Why does this prayer begin, our Father? Well, the reason is this final movement here. God wants us to live with strong assurance that when we say please, he hears us. Your, your prayers get heard in heaven in Jesus' name. Your prayers are heard. We approach with a sense of gratitude with open hands to be filled by grace. We, we empty ourselves of everything that doesn't belong there and are forgiven, filled with grace that we may be in a place where when we pray, we're willing to hear yes, no, or wait from God. There's a, there's a place in, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, what, what, who of you, in asking for, uh, in, in their, your son or daughter asking you for a fish, would give him a stone? How much more, this is a, a certain kind of argument, how much more then does your father know what good gifts you need? <laughs> I believe that so often in prayer, I am asking, I think I'm asking for a fish, but I'm really asking for a stone. I don't know it. You don't know it. I think I'm asking for a fish, but I'm really asking for a stone. 
You think God, if knowing that you're asking for a stone, you think it's a fish, he's going to give you a stone? See, to be in a place of gratitude, filled with grace, to be in a place emptied of all of your sorrows and all of, of your need for forgiveness, to be filled with forgiveness, to spill with gratitude and forgiveness, is to be someone who is simplified, not complicated, where your needs become much more clear to you. And even God's no begins to help you receive from him that which he wants for you. So much more than we want for ourselves. So much more. There's a funny little uh, paragraph I've seen, I've just held on to for ages. I don't even know where it came from. It says, how to be miserable. Listen to this. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others. Listen greedily to what people have to say about you. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive a criticism. Trust nobody but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your own views on everything. Sulk if people are not grateful for your favors. Never forget a service you have rendered. Shirk your duties if you can. Do as little as possible for others as you can. How to be miserable. How to be miserable. See, I think that if, if you and I are getting up every day, we, knowing that grace leaks, grace leaks, we need to be filled every day. You know, the way you become a Christian, a lot of that is mysterious, but you're always becoming, and we're always leaking. We need to be filled every day. And I, I think if we wake up every day and pray, that, pray this prayer, you think, well, I'm waiting for lightning to strike. Well, you've come with your own agenda. God may want something else from you. He may want you to sit more confidently, without anxiety, in the quiet for a minute, two minutes. Can you put your feet on the floor, your knees on the floor? Pray this prayer. What if you did it for 30 days? Just said, you know, for the next month, I'm going to pray this prayer every morning. I'm not going to sit here and have an agenda and think, well, all these things need to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. It may be five, ten years before something different happens in you or through you because you committed yourself to put yourself in the position of a child of God every morning. To start over again knowing that grace leaks. To know that you need to be filled. To know that you're spilling something. You're spilling something. You may not be aware of it, and that's the point of, a, of the simplicity of the prayer. To pray, thank you, Lord. To pray, I'm sorry. To pray, please. In that order, recognizing that God wants more for us than we want for ourselves. You know, some people wonder, where, where did the end of this prayer come from? Well, Tyler read it this morning. It comes from 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13, it's the end of David's reign. He's passing the baton. How much more then? Did these early disciples who took Jesus' prayer and said, all right, what would be a, 
a fitting finish. How about the way that Jesus, the king of the universe, God in flesh, brings all things to its completion. Now that's, that's a prayer. That's a prayer. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the ways that you make your will so abundantly clear to us. That you want us to have the confidence and assurance spilling out of us that we belong to you. Lord, in this new school year, in this new season, this fall, as we get busy, 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 would you help us make time to be emptied of ourselves that we may be filled with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.